Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. The brain is the most essential organ in the body. It thrives at the helm, interconnecting our glands, organs, muscles, and joints. When our brain functions at an optimal level, we think clearer, we remember details, we solve problems and retain wonderful memories from the past. Conditions like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, addiction, suicide, dementia, and Alzheimer's disease are skyrocketing rocketing, taking away from us the essence of who we are and the person we can become. We have with us today leading neuroscientist, Dr. Kristen Willemeyer, author of Biohack Your Brain. Combining her clinical experience with revolutionary science, she's going to share with us how we can boost our cognitive health, performance, power, and much more. Don't go anywhere. This thought-provoking segment starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest has an extensive background that includes neurophysiology, neurogenetics, physiological science, and neurobiology. Her bio also includes postdoctoral scientist at the Department of Neurology at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. She was the recipient of an NIH Fellowship Award from the National Institute of Mental Health, and she's a sought-after speaker on neurodegenerative diseases. She's been published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, Translational Psychiatry, and the Journal of Neuroscience. Her new book is called Biohack Your Brain, How to Boost Cognitive Health, Proficiency, and Power. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Hello, doctor. It's such a pleasure to meet you, and what an honor to be on your show today. Oh, it's so great to have you. What an impressive bio. I had to figure out how to bring that down so I didn't spend a half hour reading it. <laughs> oh, you are you are too kind. Yeah. <laughs> and yours is as equally oh, as impressive. I appreciate that. You know, while I've interviewed many guests on the importance of other organs and glands, the brain really is truly the essence of who we are. First, share with us, what inspired you to write Biohack Your Brain? Well, thank you for asking. So the reason why this book is even in existence um, happens to be because in 2009, I was the director of research uh, at the Amen Clinics, which is a very large nationally recognized outpatient psychiatric center that treats uh, complex psychiatric cases. And as the director of research, I was running their clinical neuroimaging trials. And in 2009, my colleagues and I led a groundbreaking clinical trial assessing the long-term damage incurred from playing professional football. And more importantly, we were able to demonstrate the ability to reverse some of that cognitive damage using very simple, practical dietary and lifestyle changes. And why that's so exciting is we use clinical neuroimaging to show that these changes um, not only could happen in the brain, meaning we could change the uh, functional activity of the brain, but that it could last uh, over time. So, you know, why is this important? We now know those who play collision-based sports are at a higher risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease in the general population. And really, you know, when we think about diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia, um, the lifestyle modifications are things that we need to practice as early as possible. So I thought it was really important to share with the general public if we could reverse brain damage in these professional athletes 
who, you know, are getting cognitive disorders and dementia, you know, very early in life. You know, we're starting to see that in their 40s and 50s, whereas in the general population, we tend to not see it until the sixth or seventh decade of life. I thought it was really important to make sure that this information got out into the general public. Yeah, and it's great. I know that, you know, in general, we associate old age with just that normal progression of memory loss, dementia, and Alzheimer's disease. Is it really possible to turn back the sands of time and biohack this degenerative process of a brain? Absolutely. It's, you know, really extraordinary. And you probably know this, but a lot of times the general public doesn't understand that these degenerative diseases happen Um, a decade or two decades before we see changes in um, memory, uh, clinical changes. So we really need to be thinking about the strategies that we can do today, which are very simple. Um, You can reverse aging by adhering to a Mediterranean diet, which has been demonstrated to prevent both cardiovascular disease and slow cognitive decline. We can do things like have a consistent exercise practice, which helps support great blood flow to the 400 miles of blood vessels we have in the brain. Um, We can remember to adequately hydrate, which helps us to eliminate toxins, but also helps support healthy blood pressure. And we can do it through proper nutritional support, which can correct nutritional deficiencies we have from poor dietary habits. And, you know, most importantly, even looking at having effective stress reduction techniques, allowing our body to restore, recharge, and regenerate. So there's a lot of things that people can do to really buffer um, the brain and help you know, protected against brain aging. Yeah. So Mediterranean is like a thumbs up for you. I know we get different opinions here. Some say the plant-based is good. Some say the paleo expert, you know, say that's better for the brain. And the latest though is, is starve the body into ketosis through fasting. Uh, What's your view on that? Does starving the body help enhance the brain? You know, I'm glad that you brought that up. So, you know, in the clinical setting, I would teach most of our patients the Mediterranean diet. And, you know, this is going back a decade ago. And, you know, we know, you know, in the evidence-based literature, that is one of the uh, best ways to support cardiovascular function and brain health. And then in 2015, you know, Rush University uh, put out a study that showed that this MIND diet, which is the combination of the Mediterranean diet with the DASH diet, um, is really can slow cognitive aging by as much as seven and a half years for those who follow it rigorously. So for, you know, when you're thinking about protecting your brain health, you know, I really sort of gravitate towards those things that are in the evidence-based literature. However, because you're asking about something like the ketogenic diet, um, where that can be really helpful if we're thinking about it in terms of neurological function is we know that for people who have seizure disorders, having a ketogenic diet can be very helpful at managing that. And for people with dementia and Alzheimer's disease, we've actually used that in the clinical setting uh, as well. Why that's so helpful for people is that we're essentially limiting all of the processed foods, right? We're eliminating those. We're taking out the sugars. Um, we're keeping the carbohydrates down really to about Uh, no more than 100 to 200 calories per day. So most of the foods are now coming from fats, and we're hoping they're from healthy fats like salmon and avocado and nuts and seeds. Um, And the reason why that's so effective for people is that we're really bringing down um, insulin resistance. 
And when we correct that insulin resistance, that's the key to really helping people uh, not only accelerate weight loss and, and get healthy, but it's going to reduce inflammation in the body. So I think in the right context, in the right setting, that can be very effective. And strategies like intermittent fasting, um, again, which help put the body into ketosis, um, which decreases that insulin resistance and um, helps the body to uh, be properly fueled, um, but also bringing down that inflammation. And we know inflammatory processes are what drive all of the diseases of aging. You know, if you're thinking about diabetes and heart disease, um, all of that stems from inflammation. So by following things like the ketogenic diet or doing fasting, you're actually helping to reduce inflammation, so you're going to protect the brain. Yeah, good point. I have a patient I want to ask you. He's in his late 90s. He still drives. He lives alone. He golfs every week. His mind is sharp as a tack. And, and I asked him, I said, what do you think gives you this this super sharp mind at your age? And he told me that he eats a bowl of blueberries every day. He's done so for 50 years. Do you think there's any validity wow. to blueberries being the superpower for the brain? Is there some science? Okay. First of all, I love him. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> one of, you know, berries are the foundational pillar to a brain healthy diet. And I will tell you, um, one of my favorite studies was done out of Harvard. They did a longitudinal study. My gosh, I think it was back in the 80s following people over the course of 17 years. They had followed 16,000 um, older adults and found that those who ate blueberries or strawberries at least two times a week slowed cognitive aging by two and a half years. And then they actually did a second study, a nurse's health study, which showed that those who did a moderate consumption of blueberries had reduced their risk of cardiovascular disease by a third. So if you're asking me if berries are brain healthy, I'll tell you, if you look in our refrigerator right now, We've got the blueberries, the strawberries, the raspberries, and the mulberries, and I keep that refrigerator stocked daily. So I... I live the message, and yes. I think your patient is pretty amazing. Yes, I got to say, I'm very impressed, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to share. Um, we, I just read in the paper yesterday. I think it was two days ago that Betty White just had her 99th birthday. Um, she uh, actually comes into our building every once in a while. I live here in. Uh, Century City, and they asked in the article, you know, what keeps you so sharp? She, her, she's like, my agent still gets me jobs. So this is a 99-year-old woman who is reading scripts, getting jobs on television. She says optimism and, and laughter and just having a positive mindset were things that kept her, you know, healthy and happy. And she looks amazing. So like your 90-year-old patient or 99-year-old Betty White, I think we should all be inspired by these people who are still out and actively living life and enjoying it and being proactive. I mean, I think that's really the key to to healthy brain aging. Yeah. So berries get your thumbs up. What about like the opposite? What do you consider public enemy number one as the food most detrimental to our cognitive health? Oh, public enemy number one, well, anything that has sugar. So any sort of processed foods, anything that comes in a box. I mean, you know, we all know that 
you know, eating whole food, plant-based, something that you can just grab right out of the ground is going to, you know, protect our health. But anything, you know, sugary sodas, oh my gosh. When I used to teach uh, weight loss groups, I would tell people, don't drink your calories. So everything you drink should be clean water or a decaffeinated green tea. You know, you've got so many people that are drinking sodas, diet sodas, and, you know, sugary drinks, and we need to eliminate that. Right. Good point. Let's talk about memory. I actually have a photographic memory. I'm just out of film, Doc. <laughs> uh, you, you are not out of film. You, I'm out of, <laughs> you let me tell you. Let, well, let me... Have- let, well, I, let me share a common problem that many people listening will probably suffer from. Something that I should know remains at the tip of my tongue. I just can't remember. It's been happening lately. What? Why does this happen? And how can we draw our memory with things that we used to know, like the back of our hand? And it's almost there. We just can't grab it. Well, you know, what I would ask you is sometimes our, we don't have the sharp memory because we're just not focused when we're learning something. So the most important thing, if you're trying to remember you know, somebody's name, you've got to be focused and attentive when you're hearing it. But um, memory issues can come from so many things. I mean, again, chronic inflammation in the brain, you know, the neurons in your hippocampus are not, uh, as we age, our hippocampus can get smaller. And that's the reason the brain important in taking the things that we learn during the day in our short-term memory and integrating it and putting it into our long-term memory. So sometimes we have to do one of those lifestyle assessments and go, how is your sleep, right? If you're not getting enough sleep at night, you're not going to be able to remember things the next day. If you don't have a clean diet, again, you could have problems with memory. Um, If you're not doing cognitively stimulating activities, um, you know, your memory can change. So it can be a little more complex than that. And sometimes we have to do these cognitively stimulating activities, you know, reading, um, doing some kind of brain games, keep our memory sharp. Yeah. What's your opinion on, you know, everyone's so addicted to electronics. People are bombarded with these electromagnetic frequencies, not to mention all the negativity on social media. That can't be good for the health of our brain. What's your views on that? on our electronic addictions? You know, in the clinical setting, in the in the psychiatric setting, what we would usually tell people and even tell parents who have kids that are addicted to electronics, uh, we would say no more than one to two hours maximum, you know, sort of playing video games. We have to just be careful about our social media consumption. But truth be told, it really depends on what you're consuming. Um, I think, you know, one of the bigger dangers of uh, electronics is that it leads to physical inactivity and sedentary behavior. And we now, you know, now more than ever, you know, with the quarantine and people at home and just on their computers and their phones, they're not getting out and moving. And the World Health Organization was so concerned about that that they just changed their physical activity guidelines, um, suggesting instead of 150 minutes of movement each week, they upped it to between 150 to 300 minutes. So, you know, all of that aside, right, the physical inactivity part, what social media and staying um, online too often can do to their brain, due to our brain, is over. Stimulated, um, we get those little dopamine hits right every time we're checking our Twitter, or checking our social media, and 
in the short run, that could be fine if you're doing it in very small doses, but what you're doing is actually strengthening those networks, and uh, that's why it becomes addictive to people. So what we tell people, it's no more than one hour and then, you know, put the phone away, or if you need to check it, have regulated times during the day, right? In the morning at nine, you know, midday at noon, maybe at three o'clock and then at six and then put it away because it also distracts us from getting other things done. Yeah, good advice. Talk to us about, you know, the brain. I've read that it's 70% water. How important is it for people to stay hydrated when it comes to a healthy brain? Is water important? Well, you, knowing as a doctor, know how important uh, hydration is to the brain. And most people, unfortunately, are not drinking the recommended quotient of water daily. So the Institute of Medicine recommends that men get 3.7 liters of fluids per day and women get 2.7 liters of fluids per day. Uh, 20% of that can come from hydrating foods, you know, fruits and vegetables, but the rest truth be told, should be coming from clean water. And because we excrete about 1.5, anywhere from 1.5 to uh, 2 liters of fluids each day through urination, perspiration, respiration, uh, we need to make sure we replace those fluids. If they go down, even by 1 to 2%, it can lead to brain fog. So for some people who just don't feel cognitively sharp, first thing we should do is make sure we're drinking enough water. Um, your, your brain needs it. Your cells need it, right? Without the water, they can start to shrink. They're less metabolically active. And for people who are thinking about, you know, weight loss and dieting in the new year, um, when I used to teach these brain-directed weight loss groups, I would say sort of one of the number one requirements, let's get our fluids in daily because sometimes people mistake that feeling of hunger when it's really a feeling for thirst. So, you know, sometimes you have that glass of water and you don't really need to eat that, you know, sugary snack. Right, right. What about people that consider coffee as part of their water or beer? That's not included, is it? Okay, so I know not everybody's going to love what I have to say about coffee. (laughs) Um, And and I'm going to preface this because I come from a neuroimaging environment and I've seen thousands of brain scans. Uh, One of the things we always tell people when they're coming in to get their brain imaged is not to have any caffeine. So no coffee, no chocolate, you know, no Red Bull uh, drinks, because that actually constricts blood vessels. It's a central nervous stimulant. So we want to see what your brain looks like when it is not overstimulated. And that's the sort of the primary concern. If we want to keep our stress levels down. Every time you have something caffeinated, well, it can help with focus, and I appreciate why people take it. Um, You know, one cup of coffee is fine per day, Um, but when you start drinking too many cups of coffee, that just keeps your whole system on high alert. And, you know, in the long run, it's not the best for your brain health. So what I tell people to do is for every cup of coffee you have, um, pair it with like a clean green juice you know, something that can help hydrate you and bring lots of good nutrients and minerals in. Um, So that's usually the barter system that I have with the people I work with. It's like, if you love your coffee, um, you're going to, you know, overstimulate your brain. Let's do something really nourishing and add the green juice. 
Yeah, but not with it. Don't pour your green juice in the coffee. I don't think that's not with it because I think that would be awful. <laughs> and and I'm sure, and I'm and I'm going to ask this of you as a doctor. You know, I would say ha- at least half of the patients that come into the psychiatric setting have problems with sleep, and most people don't realize. You know, if you don't stop having your coffee by usually two or three o'clock in the afternoon, that could interfere with you. Uh, getting a good sleep at night because the half-life is about six to eight hours. So you'd be surprised. I'd have people who would call me and they, you know, have their monster energy drinks at five o'clock at night and wonder why they can't get to sleep. So, you know, just another reason to think about, you know, caffeine consumption. If you're going to have it, you're going to have your coffee. You know, I would just say, have your last cup by two and, you know, decaffeinated coffee is fine or a decaffeinated green tea. Then you can get the antioxidants from it and, you know, stay brain healthy and keep your telomeres long and your cells and that'll help extend your lifespan. So that's a really smart upgrade. Good advice. Talk to us about nutritional supplements. I know there's so many out there being marketed to improve memory and even combat Alzheimer's disease. Are there any supplements that you consider worth taking? There are. So uh, I was also the director of nutrition and nutraceuticals over at the Amen Clinics. And one of my roles was to test the efficacy of supplements to see if they made any measurable change in brain function. So that's why I really appreciate the question. Um, But when it comes to supplements, I really feel it's important to tailor them to the individual. Uh, But there are three that I think everybody should be taking, at least if you're over the age of 40. Uh, One being just a good multivitamin, multimineral supplement. As we age, you know, uh, neurotransmitter production starts to go down. So we can... You know, not everybody's eating whole food, plant-based, organic, non-GMO foods, you know, from their local farmer's market. And so, you know, we may not have as many of these great nutrients uh, as we need so our brain can function optimally. So you've got the multivitamin, multimineral. Uh, Number two, omega-3 fatty acids are critical for your brain health. Not only do they reduce inflammation in the brain, but they actually help Uh, to grow brain volume over time. So in the clinical setting, we pretty much had everybody do one to two grams of an omega-3 fatty acid. And, you know, that's in addition to having, you know, marine-based fatty fish, you know, two servings of seafood each week and your nuts and seeds, um, which will also help to protect your brain. And then number three is uh, vitamin D because most people who would come in through the clinic, we would also do their lab work. And pretty much across the board, I would say 90% of people had low levels of vitamin D. And why is that important to your brain health? Well, um, studies show that people with low vitamin D are at greater risk for depression and Alzheimer's disease. And because one of our main goals was making sure people just felt cognitively better and mentally sharper, um, you know, those are just the basics. So omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, and your multivitamin. Great, great tips. I think we got a minute or so left. I want to bring up the big thing people are dealing with so across the nation is stress. And I know in your book, you mentioned how chronic unmanaged stress can impact the brain. What are some tips that you can share to help people manage stress? 
Mm, Such a good question to end on. So there's a lot of great ways to manage stress. Many of us, us understand there's meditation and yoga and breath work, but there's also some great nutrients, supplements that you can use to help manage the stress levels in your brain, like magnesium, which helps calm and relax the brain, and magnesium rich foods like avocados, almonds, dark chocolate, which people would love. Um, You can take a GABA supplement. So GABA is really effective. I'm sure you know this at quieting the anxiety centers in the brain. Uh, I love using the scent of lavender in a diffuser. Uh, People underestimate the power of scent and how much it can impact our brain function. So simple strategy. Everybody can do at home. Uh, Between you and I, I also love using a heating pad. (laughs) So we carry stress and tension in our neck and back, something easy to do. And if you can't manage it that way, acupuncture treatments are great. Neurofeedback is an amazing non-pharmacological approach to quieting uh, the overactive parts of our brain. So I, I think you oh, had all of our, our you had our listeners, female listeners at dark chocolate. I don't think they heard anything after that. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> but but not the sugary because then you get that sugar that you said is no good. So make sure you heard the no. word dark chocolate. Stay away from all that milk chocolate loaded with sugar. That's not what she said. Loaded with sugar, and it doesn't have the flavonols that will protect your brain. So exactly. that dark chocolate not only will protect your brain, but it'll also help your blood pressure because it relaxes your blood vessels. I I actually have patients who take it every day who do the cacao nibs and measure their uh, blood pressure daily and uh, have literally shown me how much it reduces blood pressure. So that's just a note to everybody out there who does it daily. Uh, It will change your blood pressure and lower it. Fantastic. Great information. Thanks so much for joining us today and sharing such great brain health tidbits to get your copy of... Yeah, let everybody get to get your copy of Biohack Your Brain. I'm reading it. Love it. Highly recommend it. You want to go to drwillemeyer.com. Let me spell that. It's W-I-L-L-E-U-M-I-E-R. And while there, be sure and check out her video and audio library with healthy and useful information. You can also sign up for her free newsletter and receive all the latest brain hacking info sent directly to your inbox. You can follow her on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. Willemeyer. And on Instagram, she's at... Kay Willemeyer. For my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Willemeyer share something today that would benefit somebody that you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. This information is too important to keep to yourself. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.